0: What up, AOTA family? Welcome to Passing Period and All the Above Podcast Extra. Of course, you know, we drop these in between our full episodes. Our full episodes are video format with super dope guests and multiple headlines and all that good stuff. But it's summertime. It's summertime. And those full episodes, take they it, it takes a lot to edit those and put those together. And we here at All the Above, we are a two-person operation, Jeff and myself. My name is Manuel Rustin, your favorite teacher's favorite teacher. So we're dropping some passing periods here and there as we try to navigate a little bit of a summer vacation and summer catch-up time and all that good stuff. So our most recent full episode about humanizing education, if you missed that with Chris McNutt and Nick Covington of the Human Restoration Project, definitely go back and check that out. Their conference is coming up next week, next week. And um, our next full episode, uh, might be might be uh 2 or 3 weeks from now but don't trip it will be it will be on its way as soon as we wrap up what we got to wrap up for the summer. So in any case, Jeff, man, here we are. July is almost over already, which for classroom teachers like myself means that back to school season is more or less in full effect, which I don't really want to talk about because it's a little depressing. A little depressing. As much as I love teaching, it's just a little <laughs> depressing when I see those back to school sales and all that stuff start to start to ramp up. But in any case, Jeff, what's what's going on with you? How are you doing?
1: Yeah, man, I uh, am doing okay. I uh, it's funny you mentioned that because this week, so the summer is a very busy time at work for me, and we're gearing up for a big conference that I I uh, manage uh, with our network of schools and. Uh, I was sending out, you know, the sort of initial communications blast to everybody to RSVP and, you know, kind of what the overview of the week is going to be and those sorts of things. And uh, I draft, I was drafting the email and I started it off and I'm like, you know, uh, this event is uh, just two weeks away. And I was like, eh, let me delete that. Teachers don't <laughs> Teachers man, don't want to hear <laughs> don't remind hear us that like summer's almost over. I was like, let me find some other language to lead with man. here. <laughs> uh, no, try to know my audience. Um, so yes, I I feel uh, I feel you on that, man. The summer has has flown by. It's not over, so enjoy what you got left, Definitely. everybody. But also, you know, it is moving quickly. So I hope people are. Taking advantage and all that. And speaking of taking advantage, man. Well, last time we uh, recorded, I let everyone know about your highly exclusive uh, yacht tour of the Mediterranean. Highly exclusive. Uh, and how you, how we couldn't record because you were going to be at the Derek Jeter party where there's no cell phones <laughs> and all that. So, first of all, how is Derek Jeter? Second of all, uh, who else was there? Uh, and third of all, what was, you know, what was the, what was the grab bag? What was the treat? What was the, what was the parting gift they gave you?
0: Yeah, well, you know, it's pretty standard to sign NDAs between, uh, before, you know, (laughs) exclusive events like this. So I can't speak on any of that. Nah, actually, obviously none of that happened, but, um, I did vacation and, um, Reunite with some family after not seeing folks for for a while. So we went to Spain and met up with my mom who lives in Spain, and then my brother and sister they they flew in from North Carolina and from Jersey, respectively. And we bounced around Spain, and then we hit up Italy and rented a, a nice villa that my wife uh, organized for us, and it was dope. It was super dope. Um, saw the Amalfi Coast and Capri and all kinds of good stuff. There was some. There were some um, really really impressive yachts out there. We did not have a yacht. Um, we did, you know, boat tours and stuff, like tourist stuff. But um, some of the yachts out there, Jeff, were like so massive. So, And it's just like, damn, people have money, man. And there was, you know, some NBA wedding was taking place. I think uh, the, our driver said it was a uh, Paul George's wedding was in town and you know so a whole bunch of folks were obviously it's summertime so everyone's around there's a whole bunch of stuff going on but um it was a lovely trip it was a lovely trip i did not get to see the inside of the, any of those uh billion dollar yachts but yeah it was um it was nice to see all the family and nice to um you know just partake in some actual vacation away from everything away from all the stuff so yeah it was it was it was really dope it was really dope um nice i'm already missing it already
1: missing it nice Well, I tell you what we're going to do right now, Manuel, is uh, we're going to use that last comment you just made as a segue, uh, because you know who else has billion-dollar yachts, (laughs) Manuel? It's not just Paul George at his Italian wedding or whatever, (laughs) Uh, but none other than number one nemesis of all the above and, frankly, uh, greatest supervillain in the history of American modern public education, none other than the Betsy DeVos. Uh, so with that, I kick it back to you, Manuel. <laughs> that is
0: a blast from the past. For those who have just more recently started listening to our show, uh, Betsy was one of our, our earliest, earliest fans. Uh, I put fans in quotations because of the earliest like months and really that first two years of our show, every single time we put a episode up on YouTube, a uh, video uh, format episode, Every single time there's like an immediate thumbs down that will that will pop up. Just one, just one, every single time. And it was like, who is this? Who is watching us so closely that they just wait for each upload and just immediately give it the thumbs down? And you know, we we deduced that it 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 must be, must have been our, our good old pal Betsy because so many of our stories back then focused on the clown stuff that she will be saying and doing as education secretary and it was just hard to have a show about education and not spend time on the secretary of education and the just like really really awful things that she was uh saying and wanting to do so so yeah our our original fan uh miss betsy devos so she's that's you know jeff i thought we were done with that i thought she you know she heroically heroically During the attack on the Capitol on January 6th, heroically, Betsy DeVos stepped down because, of course, she's a fan of liberty and all of the, the things that make America the fantastic free nation that it is. So she stepped down because that was too much, Jeff. That was too much. I think, actually, I don't know if it was on the 6th. Maybe it was the next day or weeks later. But I know she stepped down and, you know, Bravo, right? Medal of freedom right there. So is that what we're talking about? Does she finally earn her Medal of Freedom from our current administration? Uh,
1: Before I answer that question, I wanna submit an official request to our post-production team, (laughs) which is we need to insert somewhere in what you just said, Manuel, the the, like, in case of bear attacks. uh, Man. (laughs) Audio of Betsy DeVos answering questions to the Senate confirmation committee. You can't say that you can't say definitively today that guns shouldn't be in schools. Well, I, I will refer back to uh, Senator Enzi and the school that he was talking about in Wapiti, Wyoming. I think probably there, I, I would imagine that there's probably a gun in the school to protect
0: from potential grizzlies. If President, uh,
1: classic. Uh, so classic. Yes. Okay. Uh, all right. So. We are, in a certain sense, Manuel, going to talk about uh, Betsy DeVos and her love for freedom. Uh, so, 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 yes, just not at all in the way that you mean. Uh, <laughs> so, there was a, a fantastic article uh, this past week from Meridi uh, Nzanga. I hope I am saying that name correctly. I'm probably not. Uh, but she does help us pronounce her first name on Twitter. So, thanks, Meridi. Um, it's not Murdi. It's Meridi. Uh, So she writes in USA Today, uh, which came to us via Yahoo News, Uh, Internet is a wonderful place of shared literature, Uh, all about how Betsy DeVos uh, was speaking with just a a lovely dystopianly titled conservative organization uh, down in Florida called Moms for Liberty. Okay. (laughs) Which, which tells you several things, Manuel. One, they probably are made up of lots of moms. And two, they don't care at all about liberty (laughs) except for themselves and the other like super white nationalist, Christian fundamentalists that are like them. Uh, Everyone else can pretty much go to hell. So, uh, you know, most clickbaity and noteworthy in this story was the fact that Betsy DeVos, former Secretary of Education, okay, of course, woman who spends tons of money on uh, all kinds of nefarious educational policy efforts, and probably a few good things too. She puts tons of money into education in the state of Michigan, um, and a lot of charter school work and stuff there. Uh, But she said, and I quote, I personally think the Department of Education should not exist, end quote okay So uh, you know this is obviously a shocking statement on a certain level, right that a person would make such a claim in the first place, right? because uh, one, I would argue man, well, most people who say things like that don't actually know what the US Department of Education does. They are they are thinking symbolically about the idea of like Big brother, overseeing your local neighborhood elementary school, and you want it to be your Christian white values or whatever that that determine what happens at your school. And you want to have a Christmas tree and not have to say happy holidays and and talk about Kwanzaa and Hanukkah and stuff. Uh, And so they think about it in that realm, or at least that's what I have been exposed to over the years. Um, but you know, when when you think Manuel about what the U.S. Department of Education actually does, I think it's fair to say that most people don't don't really know, right? And so we're going to give a little quick tutorial right now, just so we know what we're talking about. We're knowing what Betsy DeVos is actually suggesting, lo- like logistically here, yeah. right? So. The largest thing the US Department of Education does in terms of its budget and its, and its sort of uh, impact on education in the country is actually overseeing the financial aid apparatus for higher education. Mm. So billions and billions and billions of dollars on uh, federal student loans, on subsidized uh, student loans, on Pell Grants, right? Um, on all of the sort of apparatus of how we fund college in this country, right? So that's a huge part. Um, they also oversee things like um, the, uh, the sort of implementation of federal law uh, in terms of the policy effects that it has at schools. So most people I think know, they're like the, uh, in this country, we have whatever it is, 50,000 school systems or something across the country. And there isn't one national, you know, curriculum. There isn't one national superintendent. There isn't one national anything. Um, but when we get laws like the Every Student Succeeds Act that have requirements that states have to abide by if they want to receive federal funding, a lot of which comes in the form of Title I funding to, uh, to public schools, um, then you also need to abide by civil rights legislation. You need to abide by the testing and accountability structures that are set up. You need to abide by um, special education services, services for language learners. Um, you know, there are uh, all kinds of stipulations in there for, for things like that, right? And, and I think it's fair to say the idea, at least behind this suite of things, is like make sure that we're not having civil rights violations in our public schools and have some accountability for public schools to know that they're serving students and communities well. Now, you can disagree with that. You can think testing is trash and oppressive and not at all about accountability, but like Let's just agree that like in theory, this is what it's supposed to be about, right? So, uh, and then of course, there's like the administration of the office. There's all kinds of research grants and projects that uh, the Department of Education funds. There's engagement with community organizations, after-school programs, faith-based initiatives, all kinds of stuff like that. So this is what Betsy DeVos wants to get rid of, right? So let's just be, let's be honest about that, right? The question is from a, in particular, from a relatively low-functioning person like Betsy DeVos, and I, I. It's mean, and I'm gonna go ahead and say it anyways because I really loathe people like Betsy DeVos from the standpoint of they have great power and privilege that's totally unearned, and they weaponize it against the regular people uh, of the world. So I, I'm gonna not feel bad about (laughs) saying things that are accurate descriptions of Betsy. Uh, Maybe we can cue that uh, in case of bears audio again right here, uh, (laughs) production team. Gun in the school to protect from potential grizzlies. Uh, You know, not the smartest person we've ever had at the helm of the US Department of Education. And what she's engaging in, man, well, I think is this sort of discourse beneath the discourse, right? The, the culture war that's happening in education around, you know, we got to get rid of wokeness and we got to restore patriotism and we got to bring back men being men and we can't have these schools feminizing the boys and we got to have uh, we can't, you know, the the um, LGBTQ community is trying to turn all the kids trans. And, you know, that we have communists are trying to make us hate America and, you know, uh, the 1776 uh, project kind of um, kind of cultural center point. Right. And so this is what this is what Betsy's talking about, man. It's it's a crazy idea uh, from the standpoint of, let's say. We agreed with her and we got rid of of the U.S. Department of Education. What would happen? Well, there would be huge uh, vulnerabilities to marginalized communities across the country. And then also we'd be talking about a straight up privatization. And we already have a quasi privatization, but it'd be a straight up privatization of financial aid across the board. Right. So nobody wants that except for rich people who would. Give out those loans and get paid off them, right? Uh so this is this is this is Betsy. It's your girl, man. Well, you 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 uh please help me with with Betsy. Uh (laughs) what's what's going on here, man?
0: Yeah. Um well I would start by saying that she I think you referred to her as like the greatest villain or supervillain of education, and she is way, way up there, but I wouldn't put her Number one, because um, so many of the things that you just listed—getting uh, rid of woke teachers and and getting rid of of, of LGBTQ folks in education—and all the all the things that people refer to as as culture war, which you know is a very problematic term—it's not so much a culture war as it is an open attack on marginalized persons, anyone who's not uh, white, cisgendered, evangelical Christian, um, whatever, but. So much of that goes back to a few very, very influential um, individuals who have used social media as a platform to really uh, launch groups and get groups like Moms, Moms for Liberty, for example, um, out there. And um, Betsy, I think, is riding that way because as a, a billionaire conservative, I think she's less, prob- I, I think par- probably she's a little less concerned or interested in sort of like the CRT stuff as she is in bringing in that, that private... Private um, money to to really operate everything, you know. So for what you said in the at the end of that, at the tail end of that, in terms of like fully privatizing education and making money off these loans to folks uh, for like. You know uh, colleges that take advantage of them and all this stuff. Like she, you know, wasn't. I think a lot of our stories about her dealt with her really trying to defend those for-profit colleges that uh, defrauded their their students, and her trying to get mm-hmm. in the way of those students getting their um, their settlement money from from the court. So I, I I think a lot of the stories that we talked about regarding her were really about the money and her refusal to help out students who have been defrauded. And I think for her this this statement about the department of ed should not exist i think she's definitely capitalizing on the uh, attacks on public education on the the quote unquote culture war wave right now to really like hammer home this point but her on her yacht man and she, i think for her, it's just it's about the money, and it's really those folks like uh, Chris Rufo and James Lindsay and those other folks online who are who are truly really about the anti-human aspect of it. Not to give Betsy any credit, because I don't think she cares about uh, marginalized communities at all. But I think for her, it's it's that that money part of it that's really um that's the real game here. So yeah, it's not surprising that she would say this. It's kind of obviously the. The headline of a, a former, like, secretary of education saying the Department of Education should not exist, it kind of reminded me of, um, I don't know if you've seen or watched the uh, Ted Lasso, Jeff, but there's a a character, um, a character that was only there for a couple of episodes, but this billionaire who inherited all of his billions from his father and like, he's talking about it to one of the players and he's like, you know, I believe billionaires should not exist. Like this billionaire is talking about billionaires should not exist, like as if he's, you know, it's just the the um, hypocrisy of that and the, um, the irony of that And here I think that's one reason why this is such a, a headline grabbing story. Because like, how could the Secretary of Education say that the Department of Ed should not exist? But it's for those reasons that you laid out. It's absolutely to get rid of all the regulations, get rid of any little checks um, on schools and school systems that help hold them accountable for serving students of all backgrounds and um, and for properly addressing uh, student's needs and all that. Like, it's to get rid of all of that because of course folks on the right are very like anti-regulation because they want to be allowed to do whatever the hell they want to make profit. And to, you know, I think so many of these folks wanna roll it back as far back as they can. So roll it all the way back to segregated schools, roll it all the way back to uh, prayer in schools, roll it all the way back to corporal punishment, Roll it all the way back to all that stuff. And it wouldn't surprise me, obviously, if a lot of these folks, um, if they were really honest with us, would also want to roll it all the way back to the days of, of enslavement and roll it all the way back to the days of no interracial marriage. Just roll it all the way back. And really, that's the game yeah. here. And you can't you can't roll it all the way back if there is an agency there that is is ostensibly supposed to help make sure that school systems are abiding by um the law in terms of protections for students and um, and just all the things that you laid out there. So, yeah, she would want to roll it all the way back because we know she would be the head of a or her family would be uh, at the top of a very large plantation, multiple plantations, probably making a lot of money. And yeah, absolutely, that's it's um it's not surprising, but I I think. Not to give her any kind of credit because she deserves none, but I do think she's she's riding the current uh, cultural war wave and really she's more about the money and a lot of the other folks I think are very, very specifically about truly, truly erasing LGBTQ folks. Black folks, other marginalized folks, trans folks, for sure. Uh, this Moms for Liberty group is not to be confused necessarily with Lives of TikTok, but they're not uh, separate audiences. And and we've seen, I've seen video clips of of folks um, at events for Moms for Liberty and Lives of TikTok that are very very violent with regards to what should be done with uh, trans people and openly gay teachers and this and that. Like I thought, I think I saw a clip recently about uh, some random speaker who's not, I don't think a. a Affiliated with the groups necessarily, but as a fan of the groups, um, at a meeting, um, saying something about openly gay teachers should be hung, and like there was like applause in the audience for that. So it's um it's really really wild stuff, and I think Betsy is riding that wave because, you know, she, she's a billionaire and she she wants that private money, um, all over the place. So yeah,
1: yeah, I really appreciate that analysis, Manuel, because I I think there's. We, we're living in these very precarious times, right, where it's very easy to just despair over how problematic so, so many things are around us right now. And that's real. And sometimes I go to that space and I'm like, ah, I just want to like watch TV and be like, move to an island and like, forget it, you know. Uh, and also we have to remember, like, this is we are engaged in an existential fight uh, struggle for uh, for justice right? right and for and and I say this right now honestly without hyperbole right but for like our existence uh, in this world as free people and uh, and I think that that is what we're that's what Betsy is that's that's the war she's engaging in that's the struggle she's engaging in. And you're right that she is on the the billionaire financial side of it. Right. Right. She and folks like her see the elimination of public education as a massive opportunity for a money grab. Right. In the same way that the folks who want to privatize the postal system. Right. People are like, who cares about the post office or whatever. Right. You know what the post office has, folks? like a trillion dollars worth of land and machines and vehicles and right and has a business model that's required for society to function. Yeah. Right. You might not like the junk mail that you get, but you definitely like when your package that you order from Target or whatever comes right in the mail when it's supposed to come and you can look it up online, you can insure it if you send it and all these kinds of things, right? And like they want to privatize that, right? And that same mindset is applied to school except school is a vastly more valuable entity than the post office, right? There are schools everywhere. Everyone is legally required to send their child to schools. Schools are legally required to provide Certain services, meals, you know, shelter, uh, a a slice of health care, all these things that if you privatize them become opportunities to take, you know, 3%, 10%, 20% off the top as profit. Right. Most municipalities in this country, the largest expenditure uh, that they have, the single largest expenditure that they have is on the school system. Right. So uh, so that's what Betsy's going for. And it's nice and convenient for her that she can snuggle up next to Moms for Liberty, oh, some yeah. of whom are probably well to do people. Right. But these ain't all billionaires. Right. right. These are suburban, white, suburban, rural moms and grandpas and stuff. Uh, and and just look at the, their mission. Right. Moms for Liberty is dedicated to fighting for the survival of America by unifying, educating, and empowering parents to defend their parental rights at all levels of government, okay? So that's a very nice way <laughs> to describe the type of warfare, <laughs> psychological warfare. They are engaged against us, uh, you know, at the moment. And, uh, and, and we have to ask ourselves, Manuel, why are they coming for school? Right. Why is school so important for them? Now, we just talked about Betsy wants the money and the dough. Right. But like, why are the regular plain old white supremacists in this equation coming for schools? Yeah. Right? Why are they coming for teachers? Why are they coming for curriculum that is honest about the history? Right. Why are they coming for uh, the sort of uh, philosophy of school around everyone has a right to dignity and respect in this space? Right. And and there is a sort of nasty commingling of the kind of ruling class ambitions and the uh, regular people white supremacist ambitions stir them up so they get uh, concerned about erasure, concerned about you know um, discomfort when they have to grapple with you know an honest history, concerned about losing their mythical space in the social hierarchy is better than us because they're white or whatever. Uh, and they are very useful pawns in the larger in the larger scheme here. Right. But make no mistake about it. They are seeing public education as a threat to the social hierarchy. Right. They're seeing the means of of advancement, economic and intellectually for the majority of America's school children now who are children of color. Um, and, you know, the the lion's share of those who are coming from working class backgrounds in this country as a threat to the prevailing social order, right? And so these culture war topics, you know, oh, don't say gay and and this and that are definitely very real harmful policy threats in and of themselves, but are also just bricks in a larger sort of, uh, or pieces in a larger puzzle here that um, I think we do sometimes have to, in as much as we have to stay locally engaged in, in the struggle, we also have to zoom out and be like, what is really going on here? And how do these pieces uh, fit together?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And these pieces are, you see them, I mean, left and right, as far as different different bills being passed, different um, things being said, and different um, efforts. And, and we could go on and on about that. And we've talked about A lot of that on the show, of course, Um, these just various efforts, it seems to be coming from all sides now, uh, trying to attack our schools and trying to dismantle what little gains um, maybe have been made over the decades to ensure high quality education for every student, regardless of uh, who they are and where they live. And uh, I do got to issue a a minor correction. I said uh, I saw a video of a speaker at one of these events saying uh, that openly gay teachers uh, should be hung. She actually wasn't saying openly gay teachers should be hung, she said that doctors who treat trans kids should be quote, hanging from the nearest tree and the crowd uh, applauded with her. And this is a school board candidate in Pensacola, Florida uh, who said that, two applause. So in any case, yes, um, this is not about liberty. This is truly for sure uh, about the, I guess, liberty for Mm -hmm. a very select few who identify as, you know, being White and evangelical and cisgendered, all, all the all the th- conservative, all the things um, that the right has has always fought for in this right white supremacist um, nation that we have here. It's the so new,
1: it's the new white citizens council. Yeah, you know?
0: that's <laughs> like, yeah, basically, yeah, basically. So liberty for us, control and domination uh, for everybody else. And that's that's absolutely the key because you can rest assured that most parents of school children in America's public schools aren't calling for these things because these groups do not, anytime you see these, like visually see uh, these groups gathered, like they do not represent the the largely black and brown parents that um, that are in the community where I teach. They they largely do not represent um folks from from all walks of life they very much have one particular demographic that uh, makes up the lion's share of their their work and their group and and all of that so this is certainly not about parents rights in the sense of all parents this is certainly about uh, a few parents and of course a lot of them don't even have kids in public schools um, because they don't believe in public schools in the first place so that's kind of the the, the thing there um so yeah yeah it's again uh very challenging times, very scary times if you really sit back and like think about all of it together and think about all these pieces together. We'll talk at another time about how this stuff, even if you don't live in Florida or even if you don't live in Texas, like how this stuff still impacts students in your classroom because this does not stay contained and and um, you know, select to just one particular state at a time. This stuff certainly impacts folks in other areas. And we'll talk about that um, not in this In this uh, passing period here, but coming up shortly. And I do also want to point out that just historically, whenever folks have have claimed and wanted states' rights, it's just so important to always ask, states' right to do what? Because Mm. almost always, it's been states' rights to oppress and to be violent towards particular populations. Uh, Like... That's just that's just the way it is. So yeah, would I want the state to have the full uh, power and authority over education? Maybe at times when I'm feeling good about our state government, but not when I'm. You know, at times when I mean, California used to be under um, conservative leadership, and would I have wanted them to have the full power to determine everything about education, education system? Of course not. So sh- shoot, we had a governor once that didn't want undocumented kids to have a right to education here in California. So so yeah, state's right is. Um, Hardly ever, in fact, probably close to, uh, you could probably safely say never about uh, ensuring freedom and liberty and humanity for all walks of life. It's almost always about letting the state get away with um, really awful behavior towards particular groups. So yeah, man. So there's that. And also, Jeff, you mentioned our production yeah. team like twice and uh, putting in Great the team. Uh, Betsy clips. And I just want to remind folks work. that we- we have no production team. <laughs> this is clearly uh, a, a two-person operation here, and I handle all the,
1: hey, the editing. Uh, so let's not minimize the fact that after you, you know, do a little editing, I upload and post the episode. Okay, uh, that that is at least that is true. That's, Ten minutes of work. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> you're right you're right um so yeah I, j- I do want to shout out our most recent um, contributor to all of the above podcasts uh, again a reminder for folks if if you are feeling, like you like to help us out over here because of course we're t- uh, taking our own uh, personal time to do all this, and we are two full- time educators and this isn't we're by no means like professional podcasters this is This isn't something that we're trying to um, you know build a career off of. We're just trying to have these conversations with folks and continue to learn and help others learn. Uh, so if you do want to help out and contribute, you could do that at our website AOTA show dot com slash support so our most recent supporter uh leah kelly uh shout out to leah kelly and um they did a sign up for a monthly contribution uh through anchor so shout out to you we very much appreciate that support it certainly helps us with um all the equipment and all the hosting fees and all that stuff and just the just the labor that goes into putting this show together i also want to in this really we should have led with this jeff because i know education is important and obviously you know Everyone should have a right to quality education or whatever. But um, let's talk about Nike for a second because I just want to update folks because some folks know that I've been trying hard to get this um, special edition Jackie Robinson shoe that Nike put out for the 75th anniversary of Jackie Robinson um, entering the major leagues. And the shoe finally came out to the public. So like back during April when I was first trying to get Nike's attention, that's when it was supposed to release, and then they delayed it, delayed it, so then it just wasn't available. Teacher Appreciation Week, I made a little video. I was like, yo, Nike, I work at the, the high school that Jackie Robinson went to. I would love to just be able to buy a pair of these so I could wear them at, school, at the school he attended. Um, never heard back. And then they finally came out this past week for All-Star, uh, for the All-Star game. And, of course, I tried hard to get them, and I failed. I was not selected to purchase this shoe. And now the shoe, it was like 130 bucks or something. And now it's like 400 something dollars to get it off of somebody else who was able to get it. So shame on you, Nike, if you're listening. I'm sure Phil Knight is an avid uh, listener of all of the above podcasts. Phil, hit me up, man. I just, I'm just i not asking for a free pair of shoes. I just would like to be able to purchase them for for retail because, I mean, dang, man. Just why can't, I mean... Anyways, do the right thing, that, Phil. Joe. Anything else? Do
1: the right thing. Yeah. It's not a it's not a difficult decision. Think of the media opportunity. Think about for it. Nike here. I mean okay, all of the com- above.
0: We're talking, I mean, maybe not quite on the same level as like a you know, uh ESPN or uh, you know, but close ABC, but close. But we up yeah. there <laughs>
1: And, you know, come on, man. They could bring their own media. They can bring Disney over here. We're right down the street. ABC's got studios like 20 minutes from your school, man. They could come Absolutely. right on over. Uh, they, could, they could film in the home of Jackie Robinson, award-winning history, ethnic studies, hip-hop studies teacher, Dr. Manuel Rustin, rocking some flashy new Nikes in honor of Jackie Robinson in the home of Jackie Robinson with the children who walk in the footsteps of Jackie Robinson. What a beautiful, what a beautiful online ad campaign that could be. hashtag Buy some Nikes. Come on now, Nike, do the right thing.
0: Man, you laid it out. I need to hire you as my PR guy, man. You <laughs> laid that out.
1: Uh, nice. You know what I'm saying? You get, right. you get like Will I Am to do the soundtrack. It'll be, it'll be amazing.
0: Hey man, I see the picture. Man, I see it. You painted it perfectly. Just need some help. Just need some help. All right. Anyways, so yeah. Jeff, anything else before we get out of here for this week's passing
1: period? Uh, nope, I don't think so. I think, uh, all right. I think that's all I got today, man. Uh, shout out cool. to uh, our number one nemesis, uh, Betsy DeVos. Uh, watch out for grizzly bears. Okay, Betsy?
0: For sure. Always. And uh, shout out to Educolor. Their uh, virtual summit was a couple days ago. Super dope, as always. Uh, very uplifting. Very um, just helps me gear up for for what will hopefully be a really uplifting and super dope school year for for everybody. So shout out to Edge Color, the Color team. And I believe that's it. I believe that's it. All right, folks. So again, it's summertime. So our usual format of full episode every two weeks and a passing period in between that is uh, a bit disrupted. But you know, what I'm saying I I think it's justified. I think it's justified. We'll be back next week with something, maybe another passing period, maybe episode. Who knows? Who knows? Just tune in. Keep your eye out. All right. So until then, uh, keep enjoying your summer times. And uh, we love you all. And it's time for you to go ahead and get to class.